Uh, we'll pick things back up in uh, the book of Acts here. Um, I spoke on Philip a few weeks back last month and his crazy adventures, so we'll pick it up with that. Uh, one good way to make sure your words are anointed is to not say anything and just let Nick read from the scriptures, then you, you can't lose that way. So Nick will pick up reading the story here. He'll be in Acts 8 at verse 26. Thank you, Nick. Uh, so if you rewind to Acts 6, there's the issue where the apostles say, man, we're getting too busy. We're trying to preach the word. We're trying to minister. And there's all these widows who need physical help and support. So let's find a few men. Let's find people who aren't just, you know, good with their hands. They're not just good businessmen. But let's actually look for people who are full of the spirit full of wisdom, and let's let them kind of do this deacon work of helping. And Philip was in that list. So here's a guy who, he had it going on. He was full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Ooh, I think you might be onto something there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. We, we might have been able to do better had we planned. Um, so here's a guy who was willing to take a, you might call it a lowly position, just helping all old women. Not a lot of glamour there. You're not going to get a TBN special out of that. But uh, he was willing to do it. And at the right time, God promoted some of those guys. We saw in chapter 7, Stephen got promoted. He got promoted to martyrdom, which that's, you know, that comes at its own cost and uh, reward. But that's definitely a promotion. Uh, the crown that he gets for that is well worth what he went through. His very name means crown. Wow. I like that. Okay. Very good. So he definitely was a victor, not a victim. 
and uh, Philip got a promotion as well. He doesn't get the privilege of being martyred. He gets the privilege of being an evangelist. So he will goes down to Samaria, preaches about Jesus, preaches about the kingdom, and many people believe. Many people are filled with the Holy Spirit, Gentiles for the first time. So the fact that we're sitting here, whether we're from Somalia, Scandinavian roots, uh, wherever in the world, Hispanic culture, you know, wherever we come from, if we're not a Jew, we owe a lot to Philip. You know, he went outside, outside of uh, where the kingdom was and brought the truth. So, notice though, Philip and Stephen both got promotions. We don't hear anything about those other guys in that list, and that's okay. Wherever they ended up, it's where God wanted them to be. They were faithful, and God exalts people. So our job isn't to exalt ourselves. You know, our job is to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that at the right time he might exalt us. And it's not even our job to stay alive. You know, Stephen didn't blow it by getting killed early by the Jews, you know. Um, he walked his path, fulfilled his destiny, got his reward. Our job is to stay faithful. So be faithful in a little thing. God will give you more at the right time. Stay faithful in the big things. Man, who knows what might come. You know, maybe you can transform a nation. Um, so Philip had that successful trip down to Samaria, and then the question is, well, what's next? That's a big question in life, you know. Hey, okay, that kind of wrapped up. Now what do I do? Or should I just keep doing the same thing day after day after day, or should I be looking for something different? You know, th those, are, those are life questions, and where do we get the insight? Where do we find the answers for how to figure out what to do next? Well, thankfully we have God, and thankfully, as Nate was singing, he is a good, good father, you know, who wants to reveal his pathway for us, and he'll do that in a lot of ways. Wisdom, putting desires in our hearts, scripture, other people's input, or, are you really sure about that? But also, let's never discount this one. God still speaks. Fresh, specific words for you. I mean, the Bible is awesome. Everything in there is rock-solid truth that you can build your life on, but it doesn't say a lot about what you're supposed to do next. It tells you how you're supposed to do next, the kind of person you need to be, the kind of character you need to have, the kind of faith you need to walk in, how you need to be filled with the Spirit. And quite frankly, if we enable God to work that out in us, the what becomes much less important because he'll get us there then if we're that sort of person. I can guarantee you that. But let's stay open to him. So Philip receives a word. An angel of the Lord says to him, Hey, I got a specific thing I want you to do. Rise up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay. So it's specific, but notice it wasn't exhaustive. Philip didn't sit there and say, oh, okay, God, that's a great start. Now I'll keep sitting here. You fill me in on every detail of the plan, and then we'll get after this thing. No, Philip heard from God, and Philip, therefore, is going to do what God told him to do. Um, he didn't even need to know the why. You know, go down to that road. Well, What's going to happen there? Who knows? You know, probably Philip didn't know. Sure seems like he didn't, but he was faithful, heard a command from God, and he took him up on it. 
uh, and notice where it took him. It didn't take him. It would have been easy to hear, "Hey, go to the, go to the exotic seacoast to that fancy resort." Okay, I don't need to know why I'm going there. I'm I'm with you on that one, God. But go out some dusty road in the desert. Whew. Either you're going to be faithful, or you're going to you know uh, be doing that one with probably a little bit of miserableness and a little chip on your shoulder. Oh, come on, God, really. This is what you have for me. Well, you never quite know what's going to bloom in the desert. Uh, so God's plan might be hard, and it might not be exciting. But what would you trade it for? You know, if, if God calls you out to the desert, believe me, you're going to find a lot more life there than in luxury and comfort and whatever else sitting elsewhere. You know, there's so many empty people with so much so many insanely joyful, satisfied, fulfilled people because they're doing what God calls them to do. Now, if God happens to call you to Florida, you might get the best of both worlds. So I pray that uh, you would really find God's fulfillment and blessing and prosperity while you're collecting your shells down there. Um, so Philip obeyed immediately. Now... Now, Philip probably could have earned a vacation here. He went to Samaria and he preached on the way back home, but he didn't want to rest on his past accomplishments. We shouldn't either. You know, whatever God's used you to do, whatever God's put and grown in you, be thankful. Absolutely be thankful, but never be, we should always be content. We should never be satisfied. We should always say, there's more. There's a next. That was awesome. Thank you. Now what? If you could do that, what could you do next week? You know, so let's stay open and let's keep uh, pressing onward. Um, and notice God's not just talking to Philip. He's talking to Philip in light of a bigger purpose that he's up to. So he times this angelic message to Philip with the need. You know, God's out at work on the other end, too. This eunuch went to go worship. He's coming back at just the right time. Just happens to be reading from the book of Isaiah. Uh, seems like God's up to something, you know. So we all often see a very little bit, and God sees everything, you know. So he's completely sovereign, completely wise, completely good and loving. I bet if we trust him, complain less, gripe less, rejoice more, I bet he's up to a lot of good things, and we can probably re reap the benefits of those without a lot of the murmuring and grumbling and what ifs and why nots and how could you and why didn't yous and uh, so just a little encouragement for us there and now notice God spoke to Philip through an angelic message at first but oftentimes God doesn't need angels God's a really good talker all by himself so now God's spirit just says Philip go go join that chariot go join that eunuch guy and Philip once again obeys I mean boy that's kind of crazy this guy's important sort of you know uh, official guy going by well, I'm just gonna run up and join him well what are you gonna say uh, maybe he didn't know you know but he knew God so he was willing to risk that and sure enough he goes and here's the guy reading from uh, Isaiah so notice a couple things at work here God's using mystical revelation angelic vision guidance through his spirit but also then boom we bump right into the very written word of God so it's uh, 
often going to take both of those things to really get results. And see, Philip was ready. This guy was reading Isaiah, and Philip says, oh, you know what? Isaiah's great, and you know what Isaiah's really about? Jesus. I can jump from Isaiah to Jesus just like that. So that's a challenge for us, you know. Anytime you're on the bus, you find someone reading the Old Testament, can you get him to Jesus? You find someone reading through the Quran, can you get him from there to Jesus? Or even more tricky, you find someone just living life circumstances, because not everybody's walking around with the Bible in their hands, you know. But everybody's living life. Can we meet them where they're at in life and say, hey, okay, you're, that's what you're dealing with right now? I can point you from there right to Jesus. And that would be a great blessing for people. Uh, and then notice, they're in the desert and they come across water. Probably not terribly likely, unless God's involved in the situation. Because uh, he's going to provide whatever's needed for his purposes. You know, if he sends you out to uh, bring someone into the kingdom and to get him baptized, he'll get some water there for you. So Philip does his part, baptizes the guy. And then Philip was probably maybe thinking, oh, this was a long hard, tough walk out into the desert. It was a great, great trip here with God, but man, I really don't want to do this journey home. Well, guess what? He didn't have to do the journey home. God whisked him away, and the Spirit of the Lord takes him somewhere else. So just because you walked into the desert doesn't mean you're going to have to walk out. You know, God can end the desert anytime he wants to. You know, so wherever we're at in life, it can be hard. It can be draining. It can be wearisome. You know, can say, man, you might check the math and say, I don't think I got 792 paces that it took me to get here to get back out of here. But God can carry us. He can lift us up in his spirit and get us to new places uh, where we wouldn't have dreamed of going. So imagine that. You just get picked up from here and get dropped somewhere. Azotus, who's ever heard of that? You know? And uh, so what does Philip do? He does the one thing he knows how to do. He preaches. Oh, I'm an Azotus. I want to get to Caesarea. Oh, I'll just preach in all the towns on the way through there. I mean, this guy had a plan. He had a mission, right? No matter where he was, he was going to do one thing. He's going to preach about Jesus, preach about the kingdom. Um, that seems like a perfect stopping place, as I guessed it might be. We could have went on to more uh, dreams and visions with Ananias and Saul, but I think we'll save that for another time and pass the mic over to Bob. So tell me, what's the main theme of the Bible? Just throw out some thoughts on that. Redemption, the kingdom, love, Jesus. All right. Um, I agree with that. And my main point today is the main point of the Bible is what I want to share. And it actually starts, I think it's in Genesis 3.8. It's after the fall. God creates mankind in his image. Things are going well. But then Adam and Eve choose not to trust God. And things don't go well. The curse causes big problems. Death enters. Strife. Relational turmoil. Um, 
mankind is in crisis now because of sin. But there's a prophetic declaration that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Okay, this is before 99.999% of human history unfolded. And there is a plan and a declaration of redemption. Okay, so then you got people that live for hundreds and hundreds of years. A few thousand years go by. And now Abraham comes on the scene. And we're still focused in the Near East, the Semitic people. Abraham's in Ur. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice talk to him. Either he has schizophrenia or God, who created the world, wants to have a relationship with this dude. Okay? So he, he's very likely an idolater because the surrounding nations are. In fact, monotheism doesn't exist outside of um, the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, onto the patriarchs. They worship multiple gods. They worship gods of nature, Baal and Asherah. Okay? So there, there is a, a God who makes a promise to Abraham and to his seed, and that's in Genesis 12, 2 through 3. Paul, you got your Bible open. Would you be kind enough to read that out loud to us? That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Okay, and that's not just for Abraham, but it's for his seed. Now, what did Abraham do to get that blessing and promise from God? What did he do? He showed up. Did he follow the law? He didn't. You know why? Because the law didn't exist then. It would be hundreds of years later when the law even came out. So I'm going to tell you what Abraham did. He did nothing. He did nothing except believe God. And he walked out in faith. He left Ur, and he went towards Canaan. So you have a merciful, kind, benevolent God coming to a pagan idolater and saying, I'm going to bless not only your seed, but I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And this is in the Old Testament. The scary, harsh God of the Old Testament, well, he doesn't look like a very scary, harsh God here, does he? This looks like the gospel. It looks to me like the gospel is being preached in the Old Testament to Abraham. Does Abraham make mistakes? He makes lots of them, and so does Lot. Little, Okay. So Abraham does make mistakes. Does that change God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promise? It doesn't. Okay. So the, the promise of the covenant, there's a sign called circumcision, which you know about that, goes down to Isaac. It goes down to Jacob. And then Joseph is sold into slavery to Egypt, but God's got a plan. Okay. And I want to say this. Throughout human history, God's always had a plan. And that is a plan of redemption. And as Joe was touching on the idea that 
even in the midst of the worst suffering that a person can experience, God has a plan of redemption to bring good and restoration. So the famine comes. The brothers come to Joseph. Joseph sticks it to him a little bit. But eventually, there's reconciliation and healing, and Israel is preserved. And I want to say this. That seed, Abraham's seed, there's a promise connected to that seed. And so there is a war, and there's been a war for centuries, for millennia, over the seed, over the Jews, because there is a promise that had to be released through that seed. And God said he would fulfill that promise. And you have all the nations coming against Israel because Satan wants to destroy that promise. And oftentimes there's promises in our lives. And we get a promise. We feel God said something to us and things get worse before they get better. All right? Satan opposes the promises of God. Satan opposes the people of God. Satan opposes the will of God in our lives. So now it's 430 years later, and you got a few million people. They're in servitude to Pharaoh. God calls Moses. He's 80 years old when he starts his ministry. Okay? You say elderly people, they can be used by God pretty powerfully, can't they? It's not just the youth. It's the old folks. Um, so Moses goes, let my people go. What did Israel do in order for God to get them out of Egypt? What did they do to earn that? Absolutely nothing. So it's grace. It's the gospel of deliverance. God makes a promise. He calls out a people. He does the signs and wonders, and all they have to do is trust and believe. So we see a theme developing. Then he establishes Torah. He establishes the covenant with them and their blessings and curses and there's a promised land connected to that Israel comes to the promised land what happens then do they enter in the first time they don't why not unbelief okay simple God says all you got to do is believe me well they look at the circumstances and on the promise of God you look at the circumstances of your life and not at the promise of God you can get overwhelmed Right? God got their backs, right? God had their back. It would have been almost effortless for them to slaughter those people. But that sounds kind of harsh to say slaughter those people. I'm just saying, just just to, to say God is not a jerk and God doesn't take delight in the destruction of the wicked. Those people from generation to from generation to generation are doing human sacrifices, they're worshiping other gods, they're doing awful things that grieve God, okay? So their sin finally caught up with them. So they take over the promised land. They're doing well. Then Joshua dies, and the next generation rises up. And you know what? It says they did evil. What's the greatest command? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was their end of the bargain, right? The Ten Commandments. They were breaking those commandments. They were um, deeply pursuing sin dishonoring God and doing everything possible for God to reject them. Does God reject them? Yes or no? No. He disciplines them, but he never deserts them. He disciplines them, but he never deserts them. And I think about 
some teachings and doctrines in the Christian faith and the way some people feel, okay, I had a bad thought, or I struggled with this, or I looked at that. Oh, my salvation is uh, at risk. Um, I do believe apostasy is real. I believe sin is a big deal. But I believe the eternal, irrevocable promise of God is greater than our sin. And that there is a covenant that is established by faith on the merit of God through Jesus Christ that keeps us in that eternal promise through the blood of Christ. So our failures, our shortcomings do not hinder us from the covenant promise of God. Is that biblical to say or am I speaking heresy? Okay, I'm, I'm speaking something that sounds biblical. Okay, so God rages up judges like like maybe 23 of them or so. There's a lot of judges. And why does God raise them up? Because generation after generation, the whole nation goes after Baal. They go after Asherah. They, they do abominable things. And God raises up a judge after they cry out. They suffer for their sin. And we suffer for their sin, or for our sin. But the, the, God's end of the bargain is never uh, stopped. Okay, so you think God is patient over hundreds of years with these rebellious people and he is the one initiating the act of grace and mercy to bring revival into that, that nation for like 23 times. Because every time a judge is raised up, there's literally revival. The nation comes back to God. Okay, then David, David emerges and Saul didn't do too well. David's going to do a lot better. He's not perfect. But then in 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 14, God makes a covenant promise with David. And it really isn't a new covenant. It's an extension of the Abrahamic promise. And I, I'm saying the promise of God went through a bloodline. The promise of God went through a seed. And as Paul read, the intention of God was for Israel to be a blessing, for Israel to be a light to the nations. They didn't do a good job at that corporately most of the time. There are exceptions. Think of Jonah. Think, think of, of Ruth. Think, think of people coming into the covenant grace and mercy of the Lord from other nations. It happens, and it's beautiful. But a branch rises up, the root of Jesse, and his name is Jesus. And Isaiah speaks of it. And in fact, the heart, the core, the crux of the prophetic message is God has given a promise to Israel, not just to, but through and to the world to be a blessing to every single nation. I got to check my time here because I don't want to go over. We have communion. Okay. So now something awesome happens. There's 400 years of silence. God isn't speaking for 400 years. And then... John the Baptist raises up the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he says, repent. Right? Repent. And he points to Messiah. For thousands of years, there's been a prophetic testimony that started through Abraham and even was earlier on in Genesis that God is going to do something to undo the effects of the curse and to bring restoration to the world. There's a coming king, the son of David. How many times does Jesus refer to himself as the son of David? He is the fulfillment of the covenant of David, right? 
He is the fulfillment. He is the seed of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the seed of David, who is going to have an eternal, everlasting kingdom. So this promise is eternal. It is irrevocable. And it has everything to do with the mercy and grace and love and goodness and faithfulness of God. Israel rejected God many times over, but God never rejected Israel. Men love darkness more than they love light. And God was not reactionary. But God acted according to his mercy. And Christ comes and he declares, he reads Isaiah, and he says, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to to set the captives free, to bind the brokenhearted, to heal the sick. And Jesus says, this day the scripture is fulfilled. Jesus Christ is the fullness of the promise. He is the fullness of the old covenant promise. And the New Testament writers refer to that promise 40 times at least. The promise. And the promise has to do with the first coming of Christ, with the second coming of Christ. He paid for our sins with his first coming. He leaves. He says, Holy Spirit's coming. Holy Spirit's pouring out into this world, into believers, is a fulfillment of the promise. I've got the Holy Spirit. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me, I've got incomparably great power. And every day I can fulfill, I can be a fulfillment of the Genesis 12, 2 through 3 promise of Abraham. Every day I believe God, as Jesus says, you are the light of the world. The light of the world. I believe that very much means you can manifest that promise. The goodness of God in the power of the Holy Spirit and be a blessing to the world around you. Okay? And so I think, yeah, we, there, are, there are challenges in our lives. We have discouragements, disappointments, but the faithfulness of God for humanity can pull us out of the emotional muck and can help to redirect our gaze on something that's beautiful and of good report and right. Okay? What we focus on really does impact us. Faith is something we need to contend for. And we can feed our faith. And we can be like Philip and continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's, that's my admonition. I'm just going to throw out to you guys, what, what have you been doing? What are you doing? What can you be doing to be a, a blessing and a releaser of that that divine promise of God. Does anybody throw that out? Abide? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Amen. Yeah. Play soccer with Somalis. Here. I'm just going to declare some blessings over this land. Is that okay? You know what? We all have authority to release blessing to people who don't deserve blessing. I don't deserve it. Neither do you. And it doesn't matter how faithful you are to the Ten Commandments. I don't earn the grace of God. Right? God's grace 
is meant to go like arrows out to every human being in this world. And he wants us to shoot the arrows. All right? So, Lord, we just stand in agreement today that you love the world. Lord, you want the gospel to go out. You want your love to shine and to transform and, and liberate lost sinners in this world, in this city, in Roseville. Lord, in the Somalian community. And you've got the power. We have the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is the goodness of God. And we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I declare a blessing over Roseville and over the Twin Cities and over the Somalia community. And just we declare the favor of God to be released into these communities. I just declare a blessing over this congregation and the families that are here, Father, that they have found favor in your sight. Lord, blessing over hearts and minds and relationships and finances and perspective, marriages, Lord, children. We just declare blessing in Jesus' name. And does anybody else have a blessing they'd like to declare? Because remember, you have the authority to do it in Christ. Amen. We just declare a blessing of contentment. Anybody else? Amen. We just declare a blessing of peace and not strife over our families and over this congregation. Amen. Amen. We just bless, Lord, we just bless this community with immunity to discouragement, Lord. We just declare your faithfulness, God. We even pray for an increase and an impartation of faith this morning. God, that you do not revoke your word. You give us a promise and you're going to fulfill it. You are faithful. We declare that. Now we're going to switch over to communion. Nick, are you going to help distribute that? So we remember the goodness of God, what he did for us on Calvary. And Taking the sacrament really is a means of grace. God wants to use it to bring healing, to bring liberation. It could be physical healing. It could be emotional healing, right? He wants to bring a revelation of his heart to us through the sacraments. So we're just going to take a few seconds here and we're just going to Invite the Holy Spirit to shed his light on our hearts. And if there's anything he wants to deal with, Lord, we just invite you to expose our hearts. If there's bondage, Lord, if, if we need to forgive somebody or repent of something, then give us the grace, God, that we could let these things go. Just We bring them to the cross. We bring them to the cross. And I, I'm getting, I just you know, we, we can listen to God and he will speak to us. I just heard a word of knowledge, favor. And I, I really believe God wants us to know that his favor is on us this morning. We are loved. We are accepted. We are backed by God. God is for us. Let that revelation impart as we take this, Lord.
Now, I just welcome you as you feel led. Just come, come and grab the elements. And we're going to take them together. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And on the night which he was betrayed, he also took the cup and he said, This is my blood, shed for you, the blood of the covenant. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we just declare a blessing over the elements this morning. Lord, we ask for your supernatural power to move through the elements, the broken body and shed blood. And let us truly receive a blessing this morning as we partake of the elements. Let there be a greater revelation of Father's grace to us this morning. No, we're going to do it together. Yeah, we'll, we'll take communion together if you haven't taken it yet. And as people are lining up, is there anything anyone feels led to share with the group? I mean, is God speaking to you? Is he encouraging you? Did he give you a vision? Is he moving on your heart? Grace, grace. God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all. My sin. Do we have a clean slate this morning by the act of Jesus Christ? Amen. Thank you. Yeah, amen. Amen. So by faith, let us take and eat the body of Christ. And by faith and thanksgiving, Lord, we, we take the blood of Christ and we partake. I have to be really stringent on how much blood I can drink because of my health issues. I have a problem with sugar. Um, incredibly sensitive. But um, So what we're going to do is, Lord, we just thank you for, for ministering to us. We thank you for the good things you're doing to us and through us. We pray that you'd bless this day. We're going to break up into groups, and I would just like us to talk about how God is blessing us, how we can be a blessing to others, even today. Like, let's intentionally think of how we're going to bless other people and do it um, 
and where we'd like to see God bless us and our families. Does that sound good? So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now be a blessing to one another and be a blessing to the world.